This isn't heavy. I'm not going to look weak when I do this, am I? So I'm going to, it's an honor to do this. Um, I'm going to get emotional for a second, guys. I hope you all can bear with me. It won't be the whole time, I promise. Um, Sheila, I think it's your fault. I, um, so it's been six and a half months uh, since I've uh, been in, uh, behind a pulpit. And uh, there's, a, there's a reason for it. I'm not going to get into it, but Pastor, uh, Pastor David, I'm not supposed to be standing here. I'm not. Fabe, I must be. I don't take, I don't take in front of this uh, pulpit, Pastor. It's an honor. It is an absolute miracle that I'm standing here. I got the Holy Ghost shakes. I'm sorry. Lisa knows it. Whenever I'm like in a park or something and I see someone I want to minister to, I get the shakes and she's like, oh, here he goes. Oh, no. We saw some Jehovah's Witnesses at the park the other day. Got, Lord didn't put it in my heart to speak to him. Uh, I probably just wasn't in the right mindset. I don't know. But I, I, I started getting, I was like, eh, you know, and, she, and Lisa's like, oh, here we go. But it didn't work out. So I just, I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful to be standing here. I, to put things in perspective, I used to preach twice a week, every Friday and Sunday. And so to take a, 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 a microphone from a preacher hand for that long, it's, it's uh, I, you know, I'm sure pastors do this. You know, I'm sitting there, and Pastor David's sitting here, and I'm sitting there like, man, like, I think I want to go and take the mic from him right now. And I want to, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, so I, wanna, I want everybody to participate in an uh, exercise with me. I want everybody to reach as high as they can in the air, just one hand. Okay, now reach a little bit higher. Oh, we got liars in church. First time I said reach as high as you can. I thought we all reached as high as we could. So we can reach a little bit higher, huh? Oh, man. Okay, so I want to uh, uh, talk to you a little bit about this. And uh, I got my clicker here. I'm a little bit of a control person, so I got control issues. So I'm going to do the clicking. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm going to pray for a second. Father God, I just ask you to help me so I need your help, Lord. I, this message is hard. It's difficult for me to preach, and I just, I don't, only, only you can do it, Father. Just help me to step out of, out of the way, uh, Lord, and I just, uh, I love you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this privilege, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I thought of love never fails, and you see this, and, okay, I'm on, I'm on PowerPoint, and I, uh, you know, I type in love never fails, and I don't know if you've ever used PowerPoint, but you can put, like, you can push a button, and it, and it automates it for you, and so this is what it, this is the picture it automated for me, and I just, I, I and I was like, man, it's kind of cheesy, but then at the same time, God's love is, I mean, that's kind of a good picture for it, because it doesn't matter how high that hill is going to be, maybe on the road coming up, it doesn't matter if it's not never going to break down, it's going to, it's, that, that Volkswagen is just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. It's never going to fail. 
And so I thought that was a good picture for it. And just like with God's love for us, and Lord, we need it. We need you, and we need your love more, now more than ever. And so I, was, I, don't think, I don't think Terry realized what I was saying. He, he, whenever he preached, he goes, man, so many sermons are about love and, and, and nowadays, you know, and so that's why I was making that joke earlier. So, uh, Anyway, so if you love somebody, and I'm going to get back to the hand-raising thing in a second. If you love somebody, you would pray for them, right? And you would, uh, that, that song actually said, lead me in, lead, this is like a second title for this sermon. It, 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 that song that we just sang, it said, or the song before, it said, lead me in your love to those around me. Lead me in your love, God, to those around me. And so, I think one of the biggest things, whenever we go and we want to witness to somebody or we want to see, some, I think our biggest hindrances, and again, I'm, I, I might even be preaching more to myself than you on the, uh, when I'm preaching this. I feel like this is more of a, I don't know if this is wrong, or, but I think it's more of a blessing for me to be standing here preaching than it is maybe even for y'all to, to hear it. I don't, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but this is just, uh, uh, I needed this, guys. And, it, and it's good that y'all are like family and that y'all are able to uh, be here with me uh, during this journey. God is so good. So my, the two biggest obstacles for me, and I'm sure that we can uh, share, is shame and belief. And in Romans 1.16 well, it says that I am not ashamed of the gospel, right? And so many people are. Peter was. Peter, he was ashamed, right, of, of Jesus, the, you know, his, 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 his boy, his, the Savior, his, his, you know, that he walked with. He was ashamed of him. And so it's so easy for us as Christians to be ashamed. It's so easy for us to say, you know, be checking in the checkout line and just, and, you know, God says, hey, this person needs prayer. This person, I know that uh, David was talking about the person in 7-Eleven. What were they doing? Doing a backflip or? Well, standing on their head. Yeah, just stuff like that. And you feel like you might be goofy and you might feel that shame that comes, comes on you. And I'm going to go real deep into that. And so, uh, you know, God says that, or, uh, I say a lot of times that God is worried about, is not worried about your talk, he's worried about your walk. We as Christians, we can talk a big game, especially when we're in church. We can say, hey, Pastor David, look at me, I'm raising my hands here in church, but then whenever we go out, it completely stops. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going I'm to challenge y'all here, if everybody in here, Every day, just once, just once a day, everybody in here right now invited someone to church, invited to church every day. And so I don't know if we have like 25 people. So we have 25 people inviting every day to church to hear. If we did that every day, all of us, do you think that the pews would be more full? Do you think that? And, and you can say, man, I'm trying, I've done this, I'm, I'm busy, I'm busy, but we just said that we were raising our hands like this. We can give a little bit more. We can, and I and I and again preaching to myself. I'm just as bad. My son uh, invites people to church more than me. A lot of times, did I tell you all this story? Did we tell? Did I tell this story? Pa- uh, Patrick was in a part, and she actually came to church, didn't she? Um, uh, the woman that he met is she here? Okay, but we were in the parking lot of Lowe's, and my son. We left him in the car, 
And, um, you know, we have him with a phone. We're not bad parents. You know, we FaceTime him basically the whole time. We're only in there for like five, ten minutes. He's ten. He's responsible. Anyway, so uh, we, I'm like, man, don't, you know, don't talk to anybody. You know, anyway, we come out. He's talking to somebody, of course. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, she's, you know, like acting like they're best friends. And, you know, and, and, and he invites her to church. She ends up coming, you know. Obviously, I told him don't ever do that again. But at the same time, God was moving there. God was, I mean, that's, that's crazy how a 10-year-old, he doesn't even, it just comes natural, you know, just faith, faith of, a, of a child, you know. That's where that comes in. Anyway, um, there's another time where uh, actually uh, Terry and Pam, right? I got your name right. I'm horrible with names. Okay, so uh, Terry and Pam, Lisa and I went to uh, dinner with them and, uh, at the uh, Indian, uh, India missionary thing that we got tickets to. And, man, that picture is burned in my, my brain of this. It's, um, they were showing pictures of the, of the ministry and all the churches they're starting out, of the, out there. And, they said, and he said, uh, or this picture, uh, it was like a bunch of kids, young, young group. They had their Bibles in the air. They were all smiling. And there were, uh, and it was a, probably, I don't know, 30, 40 kids and young, young adults. And, and we're like, man, and I was like, what are they doing? And, he, and the guy was explaining that they were going out to witness and they were going out to preach the gospel. And what do you think brought upon that smile? It wasn't, you know, I'm going to have to walk, you know, 20 miles in sandals and dirt and, and be able to, no, that smile brought in is because they had their belief, they had no shame and they had complete belief that they were going to save somebody that day, that they were going to go out there and preach this gospel that saved them. And now in churches, you know, we can maybe get two or three people with faces like, oh, my mom made me come, or my wife made me come, or whatever that was. And, and I mean, do you think that you're going to save someone with that kind of an attitude? Do you think that that belief isn't there? If we believed, like, just imagine how horrible hell is. It's a bad place. Jesus spoke of hell way more than he did of heaven. And he, it's a bad place. And, we're, and, and us as a, as a congregation, again, I'm preaching to myself, but we have so many loved ones out there that we want to go to heaven. I'm, uh, and and we're, uh, you know, we have cousins, aunts, uncles, mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter. And are we praying with, for them every day? We want them to get saved. Are we praying? Are we fasting for them? So we want them to be saved, but we're not going to do anything. We're not going to reach a little bit higher. Terry, Pam, I'm going to pick on y'all again. Hey, your, your son is radically changed, right? Not, ju- not just spiritually, physically, mentally, all. But y'all didn't pray for him at all. Y'all, y'all no. They, that just happened, right? No. And, I, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. I guarantee you I'm not wrong. That They spent nights and nights praying for him, fasting, loving him, and putting the Holy Spirit to the test. Amen? Because if we're... I'm, if, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm piggybacking on a, on a sermon, uh, a David Wilkerson sermon. It's probably one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life. It's, if you want to YouTube it, David Wilkerson, A Call to Anguish. It's, it's a phenomenal sermon, uh, and he's a phenomenal preacher. And so, but he said that uh, anguish, whenever he started Teen Challenge, he said that 
you know, everybody was making fun of him. He got put on Time magazine of, you know, of this crazy preacher holding the Bible up, you know. I don't know if y'all know the story, but they just made him out to be this crazy person. But he, and, you know, and so, uh, um, but he calls it, he had to feel anguish and that pain. And that's what birth teen challenge. It wasn't just, God, here I am. Okay, I'm just going to wait on you. Come on, God. No, it's that anguish, that pain that he knew. And, and his wife, too, I'm sure. I, I just, that, that, if you want your loved ones saved, if you want them saved from that damnation of hell, then you better be. That's that belief. No shame in that. Right? And being a good example as well. I'm trying to remember why I wrote down this guy's name. Oh, yeah, this is a good story. So uh, I was in youth camp, and this is just, I'm just beating a dead horse here. So uh, I was in youth camp. I was like 17 years old, and I don't know if you all know him. There's this guy named David Nasser. He's a, a writer. And he wrote this book, and he spoke at our uh, church camp. And I remember, and this has stuck with me. Uh, not many things have stuck with me when I was, like, a teenager, but this one did. Uh, I don't really remember much. But uh, so I, I, we were, like, eating lunch in the cafeteria, and my, my, my best friend had gotten saved through his message. And I walked up to him, and I was like, hey, man. And he probably read me like a book. I was like, hey, man, thanks for saving my friend. That was awesome, you know. And he was like, why are you worried about him? Shouldn't you be worried about you? I was like, uh? I mean, so, <clears throat> anyway, so... Uh, Love never fails. So another thing that we can do and what churches do, I'm going to explain it really quickly. So 1 Peter 4, 7 through 8, the end of the world is coming soon. And I, I was reading this. I think Peter was talking more to our generation than he was that generation. The, the world was still far from ending whenever he was alive. Now I think we're kind of, it's moving up a little bit, right? So uh, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. Not a little bit of sin, not kind of a lot, not some, not a little, a multitude, that's a lot. Everybody say a lot. A lot. Multitude of sin is a lot. So, uh, I Churches have a, have a, and I'm going to, actually, I'll do the next one here. Um, I'm going to do this one first, and then we'll go back. See, this is why I got the clicker. So, so <laughs> Okay, so Lecrae, I don't know if y'all know who he is. He's a rapper. I, uh, I, um, he's, he gets a lot of flack, but he, his message stays true. There's a song that he says. It says, Father God, can you please help me be perfect like the whole church is? They trying to tell me I'm worthless like I'm the one smoking with the church kids. And, I, and this relates to me because I, I was the one that was smoking with the church kids. And so whenever the, uh, that, and it was a Baptist church, and we were in Tyler, Texas, and there was like this wooded area kind of by it. 
and we would always sneak in smokes. And I, I didn't inhale. I just thought I was cool. But I can tell you that the reason I did it is because I wanted the people around me to see my worth, right? And yet I had the older people looking at me, pointing fingers at me, saying, looking like I was worthless. The, and so I'm going to get my, I'm, I'm trying to explain this correctly. Am I explaining it correctly? Um, the, uh, it was hard for me whenever I was younger to realize that uh, that was where I got, people, I got my worth, but the people in the church th- looked at me like I was just the one smoking with the church kids, right? And so uh, pr- uh, churches can do that quite a bit and make you feel that shame. That's, that's kind of the point I'm trying to get to there. And then uh, shame, just a definition. So a shame, shame is a painful feeling caused by humiliation. See, we think that God brings it, like sharing God or sharing God in school or whatever that is, it brings that shame. But, I mean, God, we're, you know, the Bible says that life is but a breath, man. We're only here for a little bit. Bring on that humiliation. And then uh, I want to talk about belief real quick. And I, I didn't write down this scripture because I figured that we could all read it together and not have it on the board. Uh-oh. Throwing, throwing a kink in things. But I, I just think it's so important that we, when we look at this scripture and we highlight it or we look at it. And uh, it could, cause it's important. Okay, 929. I got a phone. I'm still taking a second here. Hold on. Remember back in the day, Pastor David, where um, everybody would get their Bibles out and they'd be like, okay, look at me when everybody's there. Remember those? You don't really do that anymore, right? I I promise I'm going to get there. I was in the wrong, to be honest with you, I was in the wrong, I was in the wrong book. So I'll just be. Okay, so uh, wrote, uh, Matthew nine twenty nine. So then he uh, then and this is Jesus. Then he touched their eyes and said, "Because of your faith, because of your faith, it will happen." Then their eyes were open and they could see. And uh, I think there's another. I think there's a better verse. I think it's, there's another verse that says, "Because of their belief," right? And then. Oh, she's trying to pull it up. It's okay. No, ma'am. So sometimes, so, Je- so Jesus says, because of your belief, because of your faith, this will happen. So he looked at them. If, if we don't believe that a healing is going to happen, if we're going to, and I was kind of trying to say this earlier, if we don't believe that something's going to happen, why would we do it? So just like the, the Indian, uh, I keep on saying Indian, uh, is that the proper term? India, Indian, okay. So when they were going out, their belief was they were going to go save somebody. Just like Proverbs 23, 7, it says, so as a man thinketh, so is he. Jesus said that, so as you believe, believe, be it unto you, right? So if we, if we don't believe, if, if, if there's no belief there, Jesus even was about to uh, heal a... Um, he did heal, but he was going to heal, uh, man, I'm, I'm struggling. So uh, a man that was uh, demon-possessed, he even told people to leave the room because of their unbelief, right? So, I mean, if, 
if our belief is we're going to fill this church, unity commands a blessing, right? We're just, we're just uh, singing on unity. Unity commands a blessing. If we all as a church co- uh, like are believing that this church is going to be, every pew is going to be filled, I mean, unity commands a blessing. Belief. If, if we don't believe, if there's no belief in that, if we're just like, okay, this is just as good as it gets, I can guarantee you David doesn't think that. I, I mean, I'm, 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 and again, I don't, know, I'm not, I don't know much of y'all very personally. I don't know if y'all think that or not. But I'm saying that's what's, a lot, what's wrong with a lot of churches, a lot of people. Their belief is, I'm just going to do what I can. I'm just going to do the best I can. But we just proved that, and I know that was a funny little exercise, but we just proved that that's not true. We can always do more. And I've said this before. Whenever Paul was, whenever Paul was, uh, got stoned with rocks, believers came around him because the believers were around him and they believed that Paul uh, got stoned. He, 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 he stood up and walked right to the next town. He didn't say, well, maybe that town is going to, you know, uh, maybe they'll stone me too. He didn't, he didn't say any of that. And also... None of the disciples, Paul, none of those guys, they never, you never hear a scripture that says anything like, well, that, uh, that, that trip costs too much money. That, that trip is going to be, um, okay, guys, we need to um, make sure we uh, have enough people, enough, everything needs to be set. Dry. No, they just went. There, there's, there, I mean, it's just, there's no scriptures, anything like that. They just went. And so, um, so as a man thinketh, so is he. So if you're, and, and I say this a lot too. If, you're, if I'm sitting here telling myself, man, I got a headache. God, I got a headache. Man, I got a headache. And I don't have a headache. You think I'm about to get a he- headache? So as a man thinketh, so is he. So if you're thinking, oh man, this is just, this is just how church is. This is God, God never speaks to me. God never does this. God, I'm always going to be like this the rest of my life. If you're thinking that, if that's your thoughts, oh, it's not there, sorry. But so is a man thinketh, so is he. So if, if you're hanging around people, you know, there's, if you're hanging around people that are constantly just dragging you down or there's, there's they're just, just be away from those people. I want to be around people that are going to be uplifting people all of you guys are way uplifting y'all y'all are i mean y'all are still with me and i've been preaching for i don't know how long 15 minutes y'all are still with me so i want to pray i want to uh read this too let's see luke 15 so again this is back on that shame thing and i want us to as a, as a church to know and i'm going to say this it might be controversial but um uh, God bless the, the folks down in Texas that got uh, with the school shooting. And, um, uh, you know, the mom, I, 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 and again, I was, just, I was just reading something very quickly. I might be completely out of context. But the mom of the shooter said something like, um, uh, please forgive me and my son. And so many comments of, you're never going to be forgiven. There's, there's, a special hell, there's a special place in hell for that person. Right, so I I hate to break it to you, but those people need to read their Bible a little bit more thoroughly, because there's not a sin on God's green earth. I mean, there's nothing that you can't do that's going to separate you from God. 
There's nothing that he we nothing can pluck us from his hand. And so Jesus is hanging out. So on on the first of uh, Luke 15, again, you can put that one up if you want to, because uh, again, I was uh, I didn't put it on there. So uh, Jesus is talking. He talks a few parables. I'm going to read the beginning of it, verse one. So. In the very beginning, so Jesus is around talking. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Why do you all think that is? Why would just horrible, you know, tax collectors, why, why would they go listen to Jesus? To love. If, if they thought that, they, that Jesus couldn't save them or help them or would look down on them in any way, do you think that they would be hanging out with Jesus or be listening to him teach? No, no. They they knew who he was. They knew they could sa- he could save them no matter what, and they wanted a healing touch from Jesus. So I'm gonna. So these are the people that are around. I'm gonna read the parable of the lost son. And uh, so Jesus, of course, he's uh, to il- <laughs> to. I love Luke. So to illustrate the point further, Jesus told him told them this again, you know, he has to really, really just, you know, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Because when you do stuff like that, it just don't work out for you. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When you're wanting help, sometimes nothing's around except for God. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned both against you, both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be, of being called your son. Please take me on a hire, as a hired servant. So here we go, and... God is so good. And here, how many times have we gone, we think that, you know, we just ask for just the scraps from God. God, if you get me out of this, if you just do this right. God doesn't do that. What does he do? So he returns home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming because his father recognized him. They didn't have glasses back then, at least I don't think so. He was so far off, he still recognized as his own. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son's face had to be priceless. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. I can tell you, I've felt that so many times. I've felt that recently. I don't feel that any longer, and I, 
I truly feel I will never feel that way again. And I want everybody, everybody to know that they are worthy. I, I wanna, I, I'm going I'm to take a quick pause on that real quick. The thing that we do at, our, at my job is um, we, we ask people, who's the most important person in this room, right? So I'm going to ask, you know, what's your name? Maddie. Maddie, folks, who do you think is the most important person in this room? Pastor David or Maddie? Pastor David, he's the pastor of this church, right? He should be the most important person, right? No. We are all equal. We are all just as important as each other. If someone else tells you that they are, acts like they're more important than you, get away from that person. God bless them. Pray for them. Do not put that person in, in your bubble. There is no one more important than you. Nobody. So, I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, his father, he didn't even flinch at what his son said. He didn't even acknowledge that he said that. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. Give him the best. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the part I'll go ahead and finish. So meanwhile, the older son was in the, in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed a fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Because how many times that you see that people point fingers, man, this guy did this. He did this. Why is, why is that guy, why does that guy have, preaching with a microphone? That guy did this and this. I'm so glad Jesus does not think that way. Amen. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing. You told me. You told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when, his son, uh, when this son of yours, talking about his brother, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. And that. That shame that people can make you feel by pointing their fingers at you. And I can tell you that that has made me not want to preach sometimes because I felt like I wasn't worthy of it. I felt like I just was going to go up there. And I remember um, walking 
one time through a store. I don't actually. I, I think I was no. I was at Patrick's uh, basketball practice or game or something, and I walked in there. You ever get the feeling that everybody's looking at you and everybody knows what you did, and like everybody's sitting there saying, "I know you. I know what you did," and you're sitting there. And I I had never faced that before. I faced it then, and I was just like, um, it was. I I, I was all just like huddled up and just. I was just not me. And the enemy tried to steal that from me. And he's tr- he tries to steal that from, from people on a daily, and we cannot let him. We can't let other Christians take that road down th- that path. We can't. And, it's, and, it's, and, I, and, I, and it gets in our way of ministering. It gets in the way because if I feel that shame, if I feel that guilt, if my, that means my belief is gone, and that means if God says, hey, I want you to witness to that person, no, I, I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of that, God. But you are. My gosh, you are. Jesus, Jesus. I don't know why the one is there. I guess we started at one. And I, I, I put this on here, discernment. There's the definition. Um, and I, I just, I saw this and I read this and I thought it was really, really good. Um, not this, but the next slide. So discernment, for those that know, is perception, the absence of judgment with a view to upstanding spiritual guidance and understanding. And so it's a gift that God gives us. And this top, uh, this top, and I know it's very hard to see. I apologize. I'm going to read it for you, though, because there's no way I'm going to read that. Um, so if we are going to operate in discernment as a spiritual gift, then like Jesus, we need to be able to look past the bondage or the issue and see the soul of a person loved by the Father. Isn't that pretty? Man. So we need to see an individual who has a God-given identity and destiny, because we all have one. Everyone has one. You could be walking down, and I know that, uh, John, you do homeless ministry, man, and you're out there. You're in the trenches, brother, and I, God bless you for that, man. And I know that you. it's very hard to see whenever somebody's maybe high on meth or they're, you know, they smell. You can smell them from way far away, whatever it is, and they're sitting there maybe all messed up. And that person is loved by God just as much as everybody else. They have just as much right and purpose as anybody else. And if anyone says anything differently, they again, they need to go read their Bible. Start with the Gospels. And, and again, I, I, I did title this Love Never Fails. I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the Scripture for y'all. So I can't do that. So, uh, uh, Pastor, we need to pray for my eyesight to get better. <laughs> or is that just old age? I don't know. Um, I, I could tell a joke. I'm not going to tell a joke. So uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 1 through 13. So love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's probably the hardest one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always loves, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I can say that we as humans, we fail on all of those probably on a daily. 
I mean, whenever I see a love of a God that keeps no record of our wrongs, wouldn't, you like, wouldn't that be awesome if nobody in, in, in church or nobody around you kept a record of your wrongs? Lisa still brings up whenever I, you know, met. <laughs> I, won't, I won't go any further. But, but, but guys, I, I just, uh, um, it's okay to fail there. It's okay. Um, and this is my last slide. I don't know how long I've been, I don't think I've been preaching that long. Um, I can go for, for a while. I won't, though. So, uh, Philippians 1, 9 through 12. Um, so this is uh, Paul. He's, he's praying basically. Uh, for other Christians, other people. And so, uh, I mean, if we need to pray for each other, if we want to pray for other Christians, I mean, if you've ever wondered what to pray for other Christians and what we need to do, what, what we need to be like maybe a constant prayer, Paul says it for us. He, he says, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, constant growth. If you're not growing in the Lord, if you're not growing spiritually, then you need to. I, I could even, even physically, if, or whatever that is, I woke up this morning, Patrick was kicking, or not Patrick, Nolan, I get my kids' names confused sometimes. <laughs> it's a struggle, what can I say? The, so uh, Nolan, my one-year-old, was kicking me in the back uh, every two hours last night, screaming. You know, he was struggling, trying to go to sleep. And I woke up at 6.30, you know, you're groggy and you know, and uh, I wanted to go for, um, I said last night that I wanted to go for a run, and then I woke up, and it was the very last thing I wanted to do. But I, I did. I went, and I ran two miles, and I, I just, uh, I, I'm glad I did. You ever do something, and it's like, in your head, it's like, man, this is going to be the worst thing pos- as possible, but then whenever you do it, it's like, man, I'm glad I did that, Right? That's, that's the same thing as whenever you're going and you're talking to people or you're going to um, uh, witness for the Lord or whatever you're doing, it always feels better after. If you're doing anything for the Lord, it always feels better after. Amen? And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I want to talk about offense a little bit. I put three stars next to it. Because we as Christians are so easy to take offense over things. I have a whole, uh, I have a whole sermon on uh, taking offense. There was one time where uh, uh, when I was ministering and preaching, I preached on it three, three, uh, su- three Friday nights in a row because just it just seemed like the enemy was attacking whenever you're preaching on something, and and so you just want to make sure that because like I even I so with uh, I'll, I'll take a sidebar here with the students I was like man I will take y'all all out to a steak dinner nicest dinner in the world if you can go a whole week without taking offense with each other. How many do you think? Did anybody think that they got that steak dinner? <laughs> no, it's so it's so easy, especially if somebody you know if somebody looks at you a certain way. Oh, are they mad at me? 
did I do something wrong? What am I wearing? Is there something, is, like, what's, what's going on? You know, we're so quick to take uh, when, when, you know, there's a lot of times. I'll tell you this story real quick, and then um, I'm wrapping up. So there was this guy in Teen Challenge. This is a long time ago. This is when I worked at Teen Challenge of Texas. And, uh, man, I hope um, I can uh, send this to him and he can, he can watch this. Uh, his name was Robert. You actually pro- he probably came. He was probably actually one of the ones that were standing up here that you were talking about. Um, and uh, he's tatted up. He's got swastikas on him got bolts on his eye like he's he's he was raised in prison right and uh tough tough guy and I remember he was a a student and uh, he came up to me one day and was like man do you not like me I was like no I love you man like what's going on he goes man I tried to say hi to you like three times but you just kept walking you just kept walking you wouldn't even hear me I was like he was like were you snubbing me or like it's like no I really didn't even I wasn't even paying attention I don't even know I didn't even realize you were doing that. So I'm, I, I, and so anyway, we became best friends. He even ended up started. He ended up working for me and became a really close friend of ours. But I mean, even a tough guy, a tough exterior like that can take offense over something so slight. And so anyway, as far as that goes, I mean, that's basically um, um, all I got. I know, Lord Jesus, help me with how to end this. I think that's it. No, it's not it. Okay. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I hope I made sense. I just, I wanted, and this, and this is, I wanted to make sure I encouraged everybody and get everybody um, to where um, Jesus has very high, he has high standards. Do y'all know that? Whenever someone, whenever a, I don't know who it was, someone walked up to him and said, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, um, okay, let's go. And he said, and, and the guy said, well, I have to bury my mother and father first. And Jesus was like, let the dead bury their dead. We're going this way. This is the way to save people. They're dead. There ain't nothing we can do about that. We're going here to save people. Jesus has high standards. And, and he has, and uh, whenever uh, I was watching another sermon, David Wilkerson, God bless him. I, uh, he said, God doesn't give the anointing, anointing to lazy people. God doesn't give the anointing to lazy pastors, is what he said. And he was, he was preaching to a room full of pastors. That, hit, that hits, doesn't it? It hit me when I heard that. It made me want to reach high, as high as I can. I just, whenever, if we can sit we, and we think of, um, you know, like I said, Jesus talked about hell way more than he did heaven. If we can sit and we can think of our loved ones burning in hell or going to hell, that's the last thing I want to think in my mind, right? So if you knew, if, if people were going off the if you saw people going off the cliff, you would run as fast as you could to them to get to save them. Well, our loved ones, I know that everybody's got somebody they want saved in this room. Well, right now, that's what they're doing. They're, they're doing this. And I'm, and I'm just, I'm encouraging y'all, what are y'all doing about it? What are we doing about it to help them? Are we doing everything we can, or can we reach higher? Uh, so, I don't know why I put this on here. Let's look. So, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times, this is, again, that shame thing, Right? Because us, us Christians can, you know, if someone sins to your face, we're going to make them feel horrible. 
horrible, horrible, and that should not be what we should be doing. Jesus said if someone hits you in the face to turn the other cheek. Oh my gosh, that is high standards that he has for us. But my gosh, that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus said it. Do, are we supposed to follow a little bit of what he says? Or like, that part I don't like. Well, no, we probably follow all of it, right? So, uh, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Jesus drew up basically the most difficult thing you could possibly probably do, but he's asking us to do it as a church. Amen. And I, and I want to say real fast, Pastor David, like with, with, with you guys, and, and we picked to live in Yukon a lot apart because of we moved to this town a lot had to do with this church i mean that a lot had to do with this church it w- and it and it has and that's why i know that i can say the hard things and um because this is this there's a lot of churches out there that want to bring in new christians that their ministry is to bring in new and bring in and bring in and bring in this church is about discipleship very very much so and I know that we want to bring in people. I want to fill these pews. I want to fill these pews probably more so. It's going to be I, probably not more than you, David, but I feel like I do. I, I really, really do. And I really feel like that the message that he preaches, that Terry preaches, that we preach on a daily, people need to hear that. People need to hear that. Whenever, Every time I drive on, I know that I, uh, I ramble. Whenever I drive by that crest, and come in here, Terry already knows. I see that packed parking lot in Sunday mornings. I'm like, these people need to be in church. These people need to be in church. Maybe, maybe we could just set up on an aisle and just have church on an aisle and crest. And, they, and just force them to hear the gospel. Amen? Um, so I want to, um, do you mind, uh, Sheila, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you to play that song, that last song that you played. You sounded awesome, too, on it, so I'm going to have to have you get up, too. Sorry. Um, hey, I've been, so I've, I've preached at a lot of different churches. I'm nothing special. It was because of Teen Challenge and God. It wasn't because they wanted to hear me. They wanted to hear the students. But the, I've preached at a lot of different churches, and I know Lisa said this whenever uh, she would, it, to have as, people that are so anointed. It's the anointing that, anointing that breaks the yoke. And whenever you have such a powerful anointing worship to get you to be such a high responsibility that they have because they're ushering in the Holy Spirit for us. Because if, if they didn't do that, I would, I, it would be, make things a lot more difficult on the preacher. Amen. And so they do such a, a great job. And I've been to a lot of churches that don't have that. And we absolutely have that here. And I just, uh, God bless them for that. And I'm going to pray and they're going to, they're, I don't know how long she's going to sing, like five minutes or so. But if I said anything that hits your spirit, I, I, or if, if God, if the Holy Spirit just put something on your heart or whatever that was, the altars are here. Um, I can pray. Anybody in here will pray for you. I mean, anybody in here, if you want prayer, um, this is a, a family. And so, people loving people it's 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 a great great slogan it's 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 awesome and it's true and so anyway these last like few minutes if the holy spirit led you with anything man 
put this Holy Spirit on the spot. Like say, you have a covenant with me. When I pray, like when you say whatever I ask of you, like you know the desires of my heart, the desire of my heart is for this person to be saved. This per- what do I need to do, Lord? What do I need to do? And if, if you have anything, if you're convicted, whatever that is, let's spend this ne- uh, next few minutes uh, praying and, um, and uh, asking the Lord what he wants from us. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you so much.
feel love today. Praise God. You know, Jesus knew what he was doing when he was building his kingdom. I think I mentioned that before Jonathan came. But man, what a, what a message of love today. It never fails, does it? Love never fails. I've been in ministry nearly 50 years now, and I've seen a lot of people, you know, hardened, sometimes by the church, even, you know. The place where they came to get love was the one that passed on the shame and the guilt. And so they walked out of that church, and I found them in the hospitals. I found them in the prison ministry. I found them in jail ministry. I found them out on the street, just a, a closed door to Christianity because of the way that they were treated by, quote, religion. And I despise religion. I really do. I despise it. It's just a, a terrible thing. Jesus wasn't building his kingdom on that, was he? He was building it on love. By this, everyone will know. Love always wins, doesn't it? It always conquers, as this said so well, and it never, ever fails. So I don't know if you're here today and Someone has caused you to feel unlovable. I just want you to know we love you. Love you very much. And so does Jesus Christ. And he will never fail you. I want us to stand together. We're going to close out in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this message from my brother Jonathan. God, I'm so proud of him. The enemy has fought him. Yet, God, he stands here on holy ground today, Amen. declaring to the world, Lord, there's some watching via live stream today. There's some that will watch this even later. That's going to be touched by this message, Lord. And just thank you, Lord, that you've redeemed his life. You've called him. He's impacted many lives. And I speak it forth today. There will be many, many more ministered unto by his and Lisa's ministry, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your love today, Lord. We don't deserve it. Our righteousness is as filthy rags in your sight. We mess up. We mistake. We have mistakes. We have failures. And you just keep on, keep on believing in us. Thank you. We love you today. And, Lord, there's just no way we can express it enough and adequately to let you know how important it is and how blessed we are to have your love. I wake up every morning knowing I am loved because of you. Regardless of what happened yesterday, I know today that love fountain is turned on again. Thank you, Lord. Just pray today, Lord, you bless every family here. Lord, as we uh, uh, get together this evening out at our house, Lord, I just just, just want it to be a time of, of love and just having a, a big time, Lord, as a body of Christ, as a family together. Just thank you and we praise you. Amen. God bless you.